Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, happy quarantine Sunday morning. If you are watching this two years from now, this is a quarantine Sunday. Uh, we are going through COVID-19. You know, I just feel like I have to recap the rest of the world, um, you know, in case you're watching this later. And uh, yeah, so happy Sunday morning. Uh, we are doing church live. Welcome our online audience. We have just a few people here in the room with us this morning um, that are pretty jacked about church. Um, <laughs> that, was a, that was a better response than what I was hoping for. Uh, so, well, listen, this morning, I'm not going to waste any time. I'd love to give you the main point right out of the gate, okay? The main point, it's something that's super simple. Um, you're going to, whenever you hear it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, like I can't disagree with that. Nobody is going to disagree with this main point this morning. Um, I don't care if you're a Christian, if you're atheist, if you're Muslim, if you're Jewish, it does not matter uh, who you are, where you're from, you will not disagree with this main point. And it's so profound, it should be on a cat poster, um, I think somewhere in somebody's office. Uh, and so here we go. We're going to get to the main point. Go ahead and pull out a piece of paper uh, and jot down uh, this point. And if you don't know what paper is, but you have a thousand devices, grab one of your devices and get ready to take this note. So are you ready? If you're ready, just give us an amen in the comments below. Here we go. The main point for today is that your surroundings will determine your temperature. I'm going to say that one more time for our online audience. Your surroundings will determine your temperature. Um, and so this is something that we can all agree with, right? Like if you start to look at what it looks like in real life, um, for me, uh, whenever I go home and at night I, I get in bed, my wife likes to snuggle. Okay, and here's the thing. So my wife has told me that I'm allowed to say this as long as I say that it's also partially my fault, um, which it's not, but I did say it. So... She radiates heat like the sun, okay? It's, it's insanity to me how hot she is whenever we go to sleep at night. And so, true story, this is what I have to do. Um, I turn the thermostat way down, like way, it's icebox in my house. So I sleep a lot of times with like half of my body next to her and the other half of my body like hoping that I get some, some cold air. And, and the, the theory is, is that with my surroundings, understanding my surroundings, I have the sun next to me and ice in the air. Hopefully I can adjust my internal temperature um, to something that allows me to sleep at night. Right. Uh, so another answer. Here, let, let's get some conversation going. In the, in the comments below, tell me, what, what do you set your thermostat to? All right. What do you set your thermostat to? All you married people out there, let us know, do you snuggle or not? Because the snuggle is real. Um, after all, insert lame dad joke there. Hashtag dad jokes. All right. So um, uh, another thing that uh, you can probably relate to is uh, this idea of radiant heat. Whenever I was uh, in heating and air in that world, selling heating and air conditioning systems, we would talk about this idea of radiant heat. And so here's how this kind of works. Um, it, let's say that you leave your car in a parking lot in July in Georgia. It's 95 degrees. You open up the door to that car and you immediately are hit in the face with lava. Okay? Yes. You know what I'm talking about. So you open up the door, you're hit in the face with lava. You can't touch anything in the car because it's way too hot. 
you're holding the steering wheel with your, like, the, the very tips of your fingers because it's too hot to grab a hold of. So what do we all do? We immediately turn on max AC, right? If you have AC, if you are blessed enough to have that. Or maybe you're going through a, a wilderness experience where you're stuck without AC in your car. Um, you'll get through it uh, in the name of Jesus. All right, so you turn on max AC, and it's within a few minutes, right? You're feeling cool again, so you're okay. Uh, and so you turn the AC down a little bit, right? It's not two minutes later that you're immediately going, oh my gosh, I'm going to die of heat in here. Anybody experience this? Yeah. So what happens is, is that that air temperature has been cooled down all around you. Air will cool a whole lot faster than the things that are in the car. So your dashboard is still 150 degrees, radiating that heat into your car. Uh, your console, still 150 degrees. It takes longer to change the temperature of your surroundings than it does the air temperature. And so as a result, you actually will be uh, of greater benefit to have your AC on lower for longer. Um, so there's your heating and air conditioning tip for the day that you really didn't ask for. But we can see that this idea of our physical world affecting and helping us define and understand our spiritual world a little bit better. And here's the way that this kind of, this idea of radiant heat uh, plays out in our spiritual lives. If you are a new Christian um, or you, you were a new Christian, right? Most people experience this. Um, maybe if you're a student and you've gone to camp, uh, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about, right? So you accept Jesus or you go to camp and then uh, it's a few weeks, maybe a few months uh, that you were like, man, Jesus is awesome. He's like the best thing ever. You know, it's like he almost died to save us and resurrected. I mean, it's the coolest thing ever. And so we're all excited about Jesus for this period of time. But then for some uh, unexplained reason, it no longer excites us, right? And we kind of fall off of that excitement. Um, you know, and, and, and we can see this happen for a, a lot of uh, ex existing Christians, uh, uh, Christians that have been Christians for a long time, where you have this, this time with God. Maybe you have an experience with God and you're like, man, my life is never going to be the same. I will never be able to go back to the old things or the old ways. But then what ends up happening is that we end up falling back into those habits. We have the same vice that we've had. We, we have uh, problems maybe controlling our mouths. Maybe we have a problem controlling conversations that we have, whether we're at work or at school. Maybe we're having a problem with the websites that we visit. Maybe we're having a problem with uh, uh, the various vices that are in our life that we know that, that God wouldn't want us to have. But here's what ends up happening because we can't seem to figure this out. We can't seem to figure out the idea of radiant heat in our lives. So what we do is we just write it off as if to say, well, listen, if God isn't going to remove this, then it must not be that important to him. You see, I've prayed over and over and over again for God to give me the same kind of experience that I had that one time to reignite my heart. I've prayed over and over again that God would, would take this vice out of my life, that he would, he would control my tongue so that I don't say those things the way that I say them. I've prayed to God that he would take the anger away from me or the anxiety away from me. And since it is not happening, then it must not be that important to God. I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but I know that I've experienced that. And, and, and the reality is, is that 
If we can understand this idea of radiant heat, if we can uh, uh, understand this idea that we are being uh, uh, cooled off, so to speak, spiritually or heated up spiritually in a way that we don't want to be, if we feel that our spiritual temperature has changed in a way that is not the direction that God would want our spiritual temperature, then the reality is, is that we need to look and understand our physical world and identify the fact that our surroundings are what's determining our temperature. Let's go into Genesis chapter 35. Now, uh, because I'm a bad pastor, I forgot my uh, normal Bible at home, so I'm going to have to flip through this and find where I'm supposed to go. It's Genesis chapter 35. Um, And I'd like to tell you a story about Jacob. All right, Jacob. Now, uh, let me back up a little bit and give you just a little bit of history, okay? So Jacob is, did that just close? It sure did. Jesus doesn't want me to read out of that scripture today. No, I'm joking. Um, I hope that's not sacrilegious. And I got to keep moving. All right, so Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, if you go back several years, Jacob is fleeing for his life. Um, He's single, fleeing for his life, and he comes to this place called Luz because he's a loser. Um, Somebody just in the room said, womp, womp. That was, okay, hashtag dad jokes. It's okay. Um, right, so he comes to this place, and he lays down, he goes to sleep, and, and what happens is, is God gives him a dream, and he sees uh, this ladder, and angels are ascending and descending on the ladder, and he wakes up, and he goes, oh my gosh, like, I am at the gates of heaven right now, and God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. And so God starts this conversation with Jacob, and, and Jacob ultimately comes around in verses 20 and 21, and he makes a vow with God, and he says, God, listen, if you will take me on this journey, and you will protect me, you'll give me clothes to wear and food to eat, and you will bring me back to this place like you said that you would, then I'll make you the only God that I serve. Now, this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting piece of information because now suddenly we can understand that Jacob, if he was not already serving other gods, was at least open to that idea. Because if he wasn't open, then he wouldn't have to make the, the specific declaration that he would then only serve the God of all creation. So, uh, flash forward several years. He now has a couple of wives. He has some servants. He has uh, a whole bunch of animals uh, with him. And here we go. We're in chapter 35, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. That's where he was supposed to be brought back to. And live there and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had and the rings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Now, this is where it gets interesting, right? So God uh, reveals himself back to Jacob and says, hey, remember the vow that you made? And Jacob says, I do remember that. So if you're going to bring me back to Bethel, then we are required to serve you only. And Jacob, furthermore, understands the idea that his surroundings will determine his temperature. And if his spiritual temperature is to reflect the fact that he is going to only serve God, then he has to get rid of the foreign gods that are around him. 
And so he goes to his, his wives, he goes to his servants, and he says, listen, guys, uh, God has brought me into this place called Bethel once before, and that's where we're going now, and we are going to serve God because he has been faithful and true to us. And so as we move forward, if we want to maintain a spiritual temperature that reflects that idea, then we have to remove our surroundings that we are used to, and we are going to have to change our surroundings. And so they pull the earrings out of their ears like they're about to get into a fight. That was funny too. That just happened. Right? So they pull the earrings out of their ears uh, and, and they remove all the foreign gods and they hide them and they leave them and they say, these surroundings are no longer for us. Now, this is interesting that Jacob has made this observation because later in chapter 46, uh, there's a famine in the land. And so God comes back to Jacob now, and he says, hey, listen, your boy Joseph is down in Egypt, and I want you to use Egypt as a resource during this time of famine. Go down, I will go down with you, and I will bring you back up. And now, what's interesting is, is that Egypt is a land of foreign gods. And what I think that we can uh, imply here in the implications, because God said, I will go down with you and I will bring you back up, is the idea that Egypt was designed to be a resource. But then they were supposed to get back out because Egypt was a land that served a lot of foreign gods. And so I think that God at that point had confidence in Jacob and his family because they had spent so many years where they had eliminated the foreign gods from their life. They had spent so many years where they had changed the surroundings and as a result changed their spiritual temperature to one that only served God, where he could confidently say, God could confidently say, if you go down there and you use them as a resource and you come back out, you will not have your spiritual temperature changed. But what ended up happening? They replaced their surroundings, and they said, this is our home now. And for 400 years, they lived in new surroundings where they were constantly surrounded by foreign gods and idols. They got stuck in the place that was supposed to just be a resource. They chose to make that the place where they lived instead of the place that they visited. See, there are so many different things in our lives that are resources in our lives that we are called to go visit, but we're not called to live there. We're not called to, to be surrounded. And we can see that it changed their spiritual temperature. For 400 years, they were surrounded by these people that served all these foreign gods that whenever they made their way out of Egypt and they make it to Mount Sinai, Moses goes up for a while to talk with God. Well, what do they do? They revert back to their natural internal spiritual temperature. And they say, hey, we don't know where Moses is and we haven't seen God for a while, so... Let's make a new God. Let's revitalize our Egyptian surroundings. And so they make a golden calf. It's, it's interesting. You can see throughout the course of that time frame in Scripture, from, from Genesis 28 through Exodus 32, you see the progression where, where Jacob realizes that his surroundings are determining his temperature and he chooses to engage with God and change his surroundings to, to reflect that of God to where then his family chooses to go and make their surroundings with something other than God. And as a result, their spiritual temperature is brought cold again, so to speak. It's, it's brought away from God 
And so what I'm calling us to do today is I'm calling us to change our surroundings and reheat our lives for God. See, a lot of people will take this idea of, well, I need to change my surroundings and say, well, you know, I have a hard time controlling my mouth at my job. I have a hard time controlling uh, the conversations. That's where I engage in gossip. That's, that's where I engage in, in going out for drinks afterwards. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's Facebook, right? Facebook uh, is the place where you go and, and you find everything that will get you hot and bothered, right? It's the, it's the place where you you engage in useless debates. It's the place where you go to find things that will uh, further instill your fear. Maybe it's, it's TV for you where you go to various news outlets and you want to just be up on the news. You want to be up on all the current events. But in fact, what you are doing is you are surrounding yourself with all of the things that constantly instill the temperature of the world instead of the temperature that God would want you to have. And it's not a matter of uh, your job is bad and so you should quit. Maybe for some of you it is, but for most people, your job is a place that was designed by God to be a resource for you in a dark and fallen world. It's a place that you're supposed to go, not just to put food on the table and use that as a blessing, not just to keep the lights on and use that as a blessing, but also to reach into the world and affect the world and change the spiritual temperature of the world. But you can't make that your habitation. You can't make that the place that you encircle yourselves with. You can't make that the place where you find all of your thoughts, all of your waking moments, thinking about and, and worrying about. Whenever you make that your place that you live, you start to change the surroundings. And instead of being in the world, but not of the world, you're of the world and in the world. Whenever you go to Facebook, Facebook is designed to be a resource. I'm not telling you get rid of Facebook. I think Facebook can be a good thing. I thank God for puppies and cheeseburgers. That's what Facebook is there for. That's what Facebook is there. It's designed to be a resource. It's designed to be an outlet, maybe to, to further good connections with family members that are too far off. But instead, we take it and we engage in things that we know are going to make us angry and not necessarily for the right reasons. We go and we engage in things that we know will not further the case of Christ. And as a result, we choose to display a, a discord instead of belief. We choose to, to engage in negativity instead of positivity. And how many times do we see in Scripture where Jesus says, go out and call out the sins of everybody that you find. Go out and call out every argument that you think that you can win. That's not what Jesus says. He says, go and love people and be godly. But we just can't help ourselves. Why? Because that is what we choose to make our surroundings. And so as a result, our spiritual temperature has been changed. With the news, there are good things that you can find on the news. There are good things that you can find on YouTube or whatever else. But whenever you choose to engage in all of the things and, and welcome in all of the things that are against God's will, all of the things that you know for you, maybe it doesn't strike fear into everybody, but you know for you it strikes fear in you, and yet you continue to engage with it. You continue to make that your surrounding, and yet you sit here wondering, why am I so scared all 
of the time. Why am I so paranoid all of the time? It's like sitting in an ice-cold room wondering, why am I so cold? You've got to change your surroundings. And you don't need to change your surroundings for my sake or any pastor's sake. You don't need to change your surroundings for God's sake because God's going to accomplish his will whether you're on board or not. You don't need to change your surroundings for a guilty conscience sake. No, you need to change your surroundings because there is a supernatural God who has a supernatural experience just waiting for you. But you're not going to be able to reheat yourself to the temperature that God wants you at if you continue to live in your current surroundings. So I think it's time for us to make some adjustments. You know, the Spirit of God is described as a fire, as a refiner's fire. And you know what you're described as? You're described as precious as gold. If we choose to change our surroundings, we bring ourselves into the refiner's fire. And he burns away all of the dirt. He burns away all of the debris burns away the pain, he burns away the fear, he burns away the sadness, and he replaces that with comfort. So whenever it's time to start looking at your job, whenever it's time to start looking at your relationships, it's time to start looking at your, your internet usage, it's time to start uh, examining what you watch, look, just... You know what you struggle with. And I would challenge you to start identifying what have I surrounded myself with? Have I surrounded myself with fear? Have I surrounded myself with, with vulgarity? Have I surrounded myself with vices? Have I surrounded myself with, with all of these different things? Maybe it's time to start changing the surroundings. And, and if you're having a problem at work, maybe the answer isn't so much that, that you quit your job. Maybe the answer is that you use it strictly as a resource, strictly as, an, as Egypt, as a place to visit, but then get back out. And whenever you get home, you start to surround yourself with prayer. You start to surround yourself with meditation on God. You start to surround yourself with worship. You start to surround yourself with the word of God. And then suddenly you start to see that the atmosphere at work is not affecting you nearly as much because whenever you get home, you have chosen to change your surroundings. And as you change your surroundings, you start to experience the love of a good and holy father. You start to experience the supernatural power in your life that you didn't even know was possible. Or you, you experience the power that you've forgotten about. You experience the power that you once had, but then you lost because you changed your surroundings you reheated that spiritual temperature. You reheated yourself to the internal temperature that God would want you to have. So let us leave today with open eyes to what our surroundings really are. Pull the rings out of our ears and put away the foreign gods. Take a good long look 
at what is surrounding us because what surrounds you will determine your temperature. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. God, reheat me. God, I thank you that everybody's temperature is different, God, in the spiritual world, Lord. God, it doesn't matter if somebody is new to Christianity or somebody has been a Christian for 35 or 45 years. It does not matter, God. Lord, what you care about is that we reheat to the temperature you've called us to reheat to, Lord. And that one degree difference, wherever we are, is a step in your direction, God. There is no step too small, God, in your sight, God, but you rejoice over every step that we make in an effort to follow you, Lord. God, I pray that you will replace fear with peace. I pray in the name of Jesus that you replace anxiety with joy. pray that you replace dread with hope. I I pray, Lord, that, that you replace anger with gladness, with gentleness, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, if you're at home watching this, And you need, you need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You need, you need any one of those things right now because you know that you have been given into fear. You have been given into paranoia. You've been given into anger. You've been given into a, a, a short uh, a patience level. You've been given into depression and anxiety. You've surrounded yourself with those things. I just want you to place your hand on your chest. I just want you to receive right now the blessing that God has for you. Lord, I am nothing, God, but bless them through my voice, God. Lord, as they place their hand on their chest, Lord, let that be a physical admission, God, a a, a physical sign, a, a prophetic sign, Lord, that they are receiving what you have and they are casting off what does not come from you, God. Lord, we know the enemy has come to steal, to kill and destroy. And for too many years, for too many days, for some, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the the enemy has been stealing and killing and destroying. He's been stealing their peace. He has been stealing their hope. He He has been replacing what you have designed for them, your peace and your comfort. He has replaced that with fear. He has stolen uh, sleep from them in the name of Jesus, and we call that into 
into account, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we bestow blessing on them, Lord. Let your blessings flow forward, flow through into their hearts, God. Lord, allow them to have enough relief that they can step forward, that they can take that next step, God into removing the surroundings that are continuing them to believe that fear is where they should live. Egypt is not where they should live in the name of Jesus. Restore hope, God. Give them courage. Lord, whenever they don't know how to make that next step, and it's not that they don't know how to, but they don't, they don't know how to reckon with uh, the, the consequences of different relationships, God. Lord, give them the courage to change the relationships. Give them the courage to put the resources in right balance. We love you, God, so much. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you receive that, I just want you to, to talk to God as soon as we close this service. You go to God and you say, Lord, I receive that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.